Akshay, did you always knew what you wanted to do when you passed out from MBA? I was all over the place. Yeah, Saurabh, what about you? Confused about your career choices? Wondering what steps to take next? In this podcast called Beyond Campus, Saurabh Garg, founder of C4E, and Akshadat, founder of Unnati, are on a mission to crack open the career success code for the youth. So, let's turn the dream into reality. Hi guys, my name is Arjun Vaidya and I'm the CEO at Dr. Vaidya's. If you had to choose between a glamorous corporate job or joining in your family business, what would you do? Difficult decision, isn't it? Well, Arjun did not think twice before giving it all up to take forward his family's legacy of 150 years of Ayurveda. Arjun Vaidya is the CEO of Dr. Vaidya's, an Ayurvedic company bringing traditional Ayurveda in a brand new avatar to the world. Listen to him talking about his interesting journey with Ayurveda and e-commerce. So, uh, tell me about uh, you growing up in Mumbai and, you know, what what kind of aspirations did you have as a kid that did you think that I'm going to grow up and become a businessman since you have that in your blood or w- what was it in your mind? No, so Akshay, actually, I always wanted to be a cricketer. So, I grew up in a house with Ayurved, with somewhat, like my dad, I would say, was some kind of an entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur. I also grew up with juvenile bronchitis. So I started suffering from asthma, a really serious asthma, actually, at the age of two. And so I was on nebulizers, pumps, steroids, inhalers, all of that stuff. Basically, had a very different childhood from most other kids, right? So I wanted to be a cricketer. I started going for cricket coaching at age five. And two years in, my dada sort of um, just pulled me out of cricket coaching because... There was too much dust on the cricket field. I used to play at Hindu Sana, um in Bombay. And uh, there was just too much dust. And, and I couldn't take it because of my asthma. So he pulled me out of cricket, which was really sad for me, right? I was like, everyone else is playing cricket. And I'm the kid playing golf and squash at age seven. Golf is not a sport that a seven-year-old kid can play. Unless you're a prodigy like Tiger Woods, literally I would go to the golf course and just be hitting the ground every single day. I mean, I'd hit one in 10, one in 15 shots, right? Uh, my dad was a golfer, like he was a very big golfer. So I'd go with him and he'd be playing his rounds and he'd come and just check me hitting for a little bit. Squash is like a, it's an individual sport, right? And that was a big regret for me. I was always a team sports guy. I really wanted to play team sports, but I couldn't, right? And I, I didn't have ice cream till I was 12. I didn't have a colored beverage like a Coca-Cola or a Fanta, any of that uh, until I was 12 years old because of my asthma. So I grew up with a very different childhood. Uh, but Ayurveda actually helped me get rid of asthma completely, right? So 12 to 14 years of treatment by my grandfather, eventually by age 14, 15, I was completely cured. I still have allergic asthma, so I still have dust allergies, but they've gotten much, much better. Now it's allowed me to run half marathons, um, to play whatever sports I want. I play cricket now. I was a captain of my school cricket team when I was 16 years old, which is a big deal for me, right? And so, yeah, that, that was my personal journey with Ayurveda. And that made me grow up a believer in the science. More than just family legacy, this is part of my heritage, all of those kind of... I grew up a believer in the science because of my personal experience with Ayurveda. Obviously, after I, I spent so much time with my dada, 
Um, he sort of looked at me as the grandkid who would take the legacy forward. I was the one who sort of transcribed our family formulations from the scriptures to the computer. Like I would sit on weekends with Dada and he would read out the formulations that I put on an Excel sheet, etc. All of that. Informally, at some point, I made a promise to him as well that I would take forward the legacy. So, Arjun, tell me about your grandfather, uh, and I believe he's instrumental in what you have built today. So, actually, I think we'll start a little bit before my grandfather as well. So, Vedya, my last name means Ayurvedic doctor. In our family, we have six generations of Ayurvedic history. So, the real journey of Doctor Vedya would start with my great grandfather. Actually, um, he was Ayurvedic doctor in Gujarat, uh, and in 1923, he moved to Mumbai. He came to the big city to sort of. Uh, practice his trade and and take forward his family legacy, but but in a is sort of larger construct. So he came to the city. Obviously, at that time, allopathy ruled the roost, and so he was trying to sort of tell people and engage with people about Ayurveda, but but people weren't willing to listen. Um, and then you know, in in all of those stories where uh, the small city guy comes to the big city, there was that one moment, right, and that moment where he was about to give up. Uh, he didn't have any money left. He was going to go back to Gujarat, and then there's that. Hail Mary type of situation, right? Uh, and then there was a lady in the area he was living in in Masjid Bandar who was very ill, and most doctors in that area had given up on her. Um, and so he said, "Look, I have nothing to lose. I know my medicine will work. Let me give it a shot." Uh, and so for four days, he painstakingly healed her with his Ayurvedic medicine and didn't leave her side till eventually she was okay. And the lady was an influential lady in that area, uh, and because of what he had done for her, she gave him an old office of hers. and said i want you to start your ayurvedic clinic here and from 1923 to 2008 that was where my family clinic was so my dada graduated from medical school in 1957 as was customary at that time he joined his father in 71 his father retired and then he took on his his father's legacy and practice and his father retired in the 80s and 90s my dada became probably bombay's if not india's most successful ayurvedic doctor so in that clinic in masjid bandar 350 patients a day would walk in 12000 patients a month would write to him via post which was the old time e-commerce right and and so they would write to him about their issues their ailments etc all of that and the basis that he would ship them a prescription and medication right and and what's really cool is we still do that today so basically my father believed that my great grandfather believed that we should not be charging anyone for a consultation so consultation at dr vaidya's from 1923 was always free and you only charge for the medicine and the medicine that they would give to people or prescribe to people were our secret family formulations passed down from generation to generation so that was where the legacy came from my dada was a doctor and he ran one clinic my father wanted to uh, sort of take forward the ayurvedic legacy in a branded context like in a branded construct that's what his idea was you know what my dada was doing through a clinic can we make that reach hundreds of thousands of consumers and consumer brands were being built in the 80s and 90s in india my dada said look why don't you spend on marketing 350 patients a day walk into this place with no marketing so i don't know why i need to spend money to market my products so um after a year my dada and my dad sort of went their own ways my dad was always someone who wanted to create a brand for 35 years he's he's run his jewelry brand which is his legacy he runs a luxury jewelry brand called rose but there was all thought in the family right that ayurveda is a legacy vedya is in our last name so you said that you've always been selling your own formulation so was this like a you know that at your home uh, there would be maybe the ladies of the house getting together and forming these medications or was it in a factory where it was mass produced or was it sourced through specific vendors uh, in the for the clinic i'm talking about obviously now i'm sure it will be different 
yeah so so uh, actually that's a really good question actually um it draws me back to to something which which happened like 60 days ago right so basically when we had no manpower at our uh, warehouse there were only six of us going four of whom were from my home to pack the orders right and so we'd bring back all these courier bags uh, and labels so we do the labeling and sticking at home while we couldn't pack the medicines at home every single person was doing it my parents were doing it um all the staff at home were doing it my dadi was also doing it right she's 80 plus now and when she was doing it she was like this reminds me of the old days and i was like you know what were the old days what were those old days so she was like in the 60s and 70s we used to actually make the medicines in the clinic we used to pack the courier parcels ourselves we used to go to the post office and give it by the 80s my dada's practice grew too large to be able to hand make it ladies of the house etc all of that so he built a factory in mumbai and then in 97 he moved that factory to silvasa um 15000 square foot facility and i actually still use that facility in silvasa but it was really nice for my dadi because my dada's not around anymore he's pa- he's passed away but it was really nice for her to still be a part of that legacy and that experience and still relive her memories of what she used to do label those courier bags um for us so till 2008 your grandfather was running that clinic then uh, what happened then so in 2008 actually my dada uh, moved from masjid bandar to tardio and so from 2008 to 2013 he ran his clinic out of this this space in tardio and then he passed in 2013 right and he practiced till a month before he passed away so today that clinic in tardio which he operated our his last clinic we still run his clinic there and we have established our offices on the same floor as that clinic um and although the business is largely online today that clinic still runs as an offline clinic and a legacy to my great grandfather and grandfather so who ran it after he passed away because your father had left that uh, line of work uh, so what happened then so there was a 3 year period basically 2013 to 2016 we actually thought we'd shut it down because i just moved back to india um after doing my undergrad in the us so first uh, tell why did you uh, decide to study abroad uh, what was in your mind when you were in like that 10 to 12 i don't know why i decided to study abroad i think i always just wanted to uh, my grandfather also really really wanted me to study abroad so did my parents so i moved from uh, an icsc school to an ib school i went to dhirubhai ambani international school and did my ib there uh, in 11 and 12 with the objective that i wanted to go abroad i was as sure as the other kids that uh, you know i'm exactly sure what i want to do and so i chose to go to the us instead of the uk and do a liberal arts education so i went to brown when i was 17 and a half years old in in rhode island in providence and you know before i went my dada said i will pay for your education if you promise me that you'll study biotechnology or biochemistry and you'll take forward my legacy so at that time i was like yeah sure you know i'll do it because i was a science kid i did bio and chem high level in my ib very cool part of the liberal arts education which which many people won't know at least which was there at brown was in the first week or two weeks of every semester we were given the opportunity to do something called shopping of classes and so for the first two weeks at brown uh, it was called shopping period where you could shop classes which literally meant you go to a class you check out what the prof is saying and 15 minutes later no disrespect to the prof you can get up and walk out of the class if you don't like what you heard and go to another class so we'd have like this list of like 10 classes and we'd shop those classes and then eventually decide what we wanted to take which i thought is really cool like i i mean i thought it's amazing um concept and so with all that shopping with all those options eventually in the first year i didn't take any bio or chemistry or science classes is this like a us specific thing or in general a liberal arts education means that it includes everything like 
so i think liberal arts is largely a us concept we got a few institutions across the world who do it but largely it's a us concept um, but but yeah the sciences are included so you could graduate a degree in biotechnology biochemistry etc through brown as well and so really for me uh, i had those options and opportunities and and history politics international relations economics um sociology anthropology those are the things that interested me uh, and entrepreneurship obviously and so those are the classes i took in my first year so my dada after the first year was like i don't see any science on this uh, transcript your grades may be great but i'm not going to pay for this how did the whole experience in us change you as a person in my experience in the us actually crafted the way i think about what i do today a lot right so i was in the the northeast i i saw a huge move towards natural organic products uh, went to the whole foods of the world saw all these cool natural brands consumers wanting to pay more for organic products uh, and i also saw something really cool with yoga you know i saw yoga being completely repackaged with yoga mats yoga gyms yoga pants yoga apparel i had a dutch friend of mine who was teaching me yoga uh, at brown and i thought that is crazy it's cool but also what are we doing as indians you know this is our and our heritage and why didn't we take it to the world why is someone repackaging and giving it back to us and that got me thinking that look yoga has been done it's been repackaged already why can't we be the people to do this with ayurved um that was the initial thought process behind what we do at dr vedas and I, even in my final year um wrote a case study um for one of my entrepreneurship classes I wrote a business plan for an early format of dr vedas called mayurved which is a modern form of ayurveda for you that's why mayurved and yeah that, that was really what what crafted my way of thinking i then moved back to india in 2013 so it really broadened my horizons you know um doing a liberal arts education um i would say most of my friends were non indian right so um brown doesn't have a very large indian population and so although we were a few indians like in my year i think we were 11 indians out of 1300 um a lot of my friends were from different parts of the world you know my six best friends today are in six different countries from london to the us to mauritius to turkey all over the world right I, and and all of these people and interactions with them spending time with them really broadens your horizon in the way you think about the world that really changed my life whether it's my professors or my friends i think when people ask me what was the best takeaway from brown it was the people um or an opportunity to spend four years with the smartest people from around the world um those experiences were just absolutely amazing but you know i'm a super patriotic person and so for me i never even thought of staying in the us after i graduated i said look as indians there's very few of us who can go outside india and get these amazing experiences um to study and all of those kind of things um and so i have a responsibility to come back to india and do something now i'm not one of the people who said i'm going to change the world etc all of that I, i'm not like that but i said i have this good fortune of having this amazing education uh, and so what can i do with this in india that was the idea right and so um, i came back to india in may i actually spent june and july in the ndtv newsroom so barkha had come to brown um, for a article for 3 months write a book and i had the good fortune of working with her as a research assistant on that book uh, and and she told me you're a student of politics you're coming back to india and you're going to work in private equity and finance a uh, great you know that's amazing but at least put your politics education to some use do something with it uh, and so i worked with her for 5 6 weeks uh, on the bus stops here and we the people that was a really cool experience for me like really fun uh, and then i started my job in private equities 
So, uh, how did you get the job? Was it like uh, in the US uh, through campus placement or uh, how did that transition happen from college to uh, corporate world? Yeah, so so basically I always wanted to be in the business side of brands. Like like for me brands is something that was always exciting like why should someone pay 10 times the price of a plain polo just for a small little horse on it and buy a Ralph Lauren polo, right? And so I I spent a lot of my time in my internships in college on um, working with brands and then I came back to India for my last December break and at that time I was still figuring out what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to be in Asia and my dad took me for dinner with one of his friends Charles Bonas who's actually a brown alum and he was chatting to me and he was like you know Arjun what do you want to do and I said I want to be in the business side of brands and he said look on the one of the best places to do this is Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy group they've built the best brands Um, across the world they own 40 plus brands uh, and they they have a private equity fund called L Capital um, and I know one of the partners at L Capital so uh, I'd love to make an intro to you um and so he used me to one of the partners at L Capital and um, I followed up with him a few times he introduced me to this partner um he was a partner in in France um, in the back office and so I followed up with him 6 7 times till finally he got on a call with me and he said look I like you I like your background but it's a headache to get an Indian kid a visa to work in France so here's what I'm going to do I'm going to connect you to um our Asia office we've started a fund in Asia called L Capital Asia it's based out of Singapore and so I'll connect you there and so then I sort of followed up a few times um with the Asia office as well nothing seemed to be happening and then I went for my spring break and I had a great time And so um I was on the southwest plane coming back from Miami to Providence so I was on wifi checking my email and I got an email from L Capital Asia saying um hey by the way you know I'm from the HR team and I'd like to have an interview with you I did a lot of prep for that interview a lot of prep like I worked really really hard on that interview um and then eventually they were like oh, we've already seen your CV we've spoken to the Paris office um you're a fit um and so uh, we're happy to give you an internship so there was no discussion no quizzing me no questions nothing they were like your questions quizzing is over we want to take you on and we'll give you a job you decide now which office you want to be a part of do you want to work in the shanghai office or uh, do you want to work in the singapore office or do you want to work in the india office and so i was like 100% um you know i'll i'll be outside of india for a little bit and get the experience uh, but then i told my parents you know i have these options they were like hell no you're coming back straight to india if you have the opportunity to come back please come back to india so yeah i got an internship um at this this fund l capital asia I did a three-month internship, and I asked them, you know, the only thing I don't mind doing this internship because it's, it's exactly what I want to do. It's the private equity arm of the Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy Group investing in brands, so fit perfectly for me. And I told them, as long as you commit to me that if I'm good, you'll extend my internship, and then eventually I have the opportunity to get a full-time role. I'm not forcing you. I'm not um, telling you you have to give it to me. But if I'm good, give me the opportunity to be full-time, and that they gave me. So I, I started an internship. after a ivy league degree which a lot of people thought i was crazy to start an internship but it's very difficult to break into private equity straight out of college and so, uh, i was very fortunate to be given a project to work on the indian e-commerce space fortunately for me that was really heating up so that project became an assignment became looking at active deals in the space my 3 month internship became a 6 month internship and then eventually i got a full time job and uh, around this time your grandfather also passed right uh, around the time when you joined uh, l capital So I joined El Capital in August. My grandfather passed December fifth, two thousand thirteen. Okay. So, but uh, at that stage, you were uh, like you were looking at private equity only as your trajectory and career path. 
yeah so so that, that has an interesting story right akshay i was i was uh, very focused on private equity i was having a great time in my job we were investors in fab india pvr and a company called genesis luxury which brought bottega veneta jimmy choo paul smith canali michael kors to me all of these brands yeah so i got to work on those as portfolio companies and i worked one deal actively so the fund has invested in this company called batil the luxury dates um, brand out of um, the uae and saudi arabia you know the only deal i actively worked on to close but but working with the portfolio companies as well at least fabian pvr entrepreneurs have huge respect for um built iconic brands in india and so that was a i mean experience but i'll tell you akshay the the more interesting part of this was in private equity you meet a lot of people and assess a lot of opportunities and so in 3 years i met 150 entrepreneurs in the b2c space across automobiles lifestyle fashion retail luxury food and beverage uh restaurants um footwear uh e-commerce and that was really the big sort of um exposure for me as a 21 22 23 year old kid and eventually when i left i was 24 and a half years old from the age of 21 and a half to the age of 24 and a half you meet the best minds in retail in see in consumer facing brands in valuable experience like i mean i would not trade that experience for anything else and so that really gave me a lot of exposure into meeting some of the best minds um in the ecosystem and you know uh, actually akshay basically my dada passed right in december 2013 so we thought we'll shut the clinic like none of us wanted to take it forward uh, and then we literally had his patients coming and saying you can't shut this like we need this medicine you know so we kept the clinic on as a dispensary from december 2013 onwards kept um three people um including his nurse in the dispensary and we kept the factory open with a few people like five six people just making the bare minimum amount of medicine and people who came with my dada's prescription basically they were given medicine and so we just kept it on on autopilot types running then basically two and a half years into private equity i realized that i want to be an entrepreneur as well like the finance side doesn't stimulate me the brand creation side stimulates me so i started thinking of ideas and obviously you when you want to be an entrepreneur you try to think of everything but what your family has although my dad like seeded the idea a couple of times saying hey you know we have this ayurveda legacy we promised your dad you'll do something with it i was like no 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 that's the last thing i want to do um so the second opportunity is ideas all of this stuff and then i went to my dad's 50th birthday um his team um had organized a celebration for him and they asked me to give a speech and so i gave a speech on my dad and how he sort of affected the way i think and and inspired me and all of that and a few folks came to me and said you know inspiring speech great stuff and my dada's team or whatever was left of my dada's team was also at this event and so my dada's nurse of 17 years came to me with a tear in her eye and she said you're talking about your father's legacy but if you guys don't do something very soon everything that your grandfather left behind is going to die and that was the switch for me that made me remember that promise i had made to my dada the opportunity um i looked at the macro construct uh, ministry of ayush created patanjali revolution happening ayurveda through renaissance and i saw a big opportunity then to create an ayurvedic products brand uh, that appeals to modern consumers and, and that's what we do today uh but but that moment was the aha moment of the switch where i said oh, i have to do this now and have to give it a shot it's my family legacy worst case the worst that can happen is uh, eventually you know i i won't be successful but i gave it a shot um, i gave it a shot to take my dad's legacy forward and so that's when i said i'm going to quit my job and i'm going to take forward this legacy when was this uh, like which uh, month um this was april 2016 um of my three notice um at l capital and then july 2016 basically uh, i soft launched uh, dr vedya's and october 2016 we officially launched the brand 
So, uh, how did you launch so fast? I mean, it typically takes like, you know, at least a year for a product company to launch its first few products because you have to work on the formulation, the packaging and the manufacturing and all of that. So, how did you launch it so soon? So, Akshay, we had a big head start actually uh, compared to other brands because we own a hundred plus proprietary Ayurvedic formulations uh, and formulation part of developing the product part wasn't the challenge for us. Um, also, we have a head start because every five years, my dad and my dad try to do something with this. So we already have multiple plans, multiple ideas, how we look at things, etc. All of that in place. So it was not a completely new to the world conversation. So basically from April, I started thinking of it, spending time with my dad, thinking about his ideas, how he had looked at it. And then we worked on the packaging. Um, and actually, my father is a designer, right? He's in the jewelry and watch space. So with a cool friend of mine, he uh, Rohan, um, they actually designed the packaging, them like internally, you know. Um, so for us, it was just about getting a website up and choosing which products to start with. Uh, we had a big head start in uh, getting the brand off the ground. Okay. So which products did you start with? Yeah, so I started with just two products. Uh, I started with a product called Herbofit. Herbofit is the goodness of Chavan Prash in a capsule. Although Chavan Prash is great, um, it's bitter, sticky and inconvenient. It's a great immunity and energy booster. But format of Chavan Prash sucks. Um, and so my dad has taken the 21 actives of Chavan Prash and developed a formulation called Herbofit, which is a super concentrated extract of Chavan Prash in a capsule form. So I thought that was a topical, modern, new age product, um, a daily, one a day Ayurvedic multivitamin. So we launched Herbofit and we launched a really cool product called Live It Up. Um, we envisioned our long-term liver protector. Um, and, and this was a very interesting story. I told my dad, look, dad, Dada sold diabetes, arthritis and asthma. I'm not at 24 going to be selling diabetes, arthritis, and asthma. And I'm not a doctor. I don't have Dada with me anymore. So I need to do something cool. And he was like, you know, when we were young, Dada used to give us this uh, liver protector and make us have it before we drink and say it was very good on hangover, right? And so that conversation led me into digging up into my Dada's writings. The surreal experience, I was digging up in my Dada's writings about this product. And I found him write about the hangover and the action of the product on a hangover. And then it was just about me literally giving out this product to people our friends and family at parties, people looked at me really shadily. I remember a friend engagement party where her mom came to me and said, what are you doing? Like, what are these pills you're giving out to people? You know? The hangover ecosystem in India is very developed. A lot of brands have come into the space. But at that time, it was very new, right? There were very few products. Um, tried it on like a thousand plus people and found out the product works really, really, really well. Uh, and so re-envisioned that product into Live It Up. What are the regulatory requirements for uh, launching uh, herbal products? Do you need to go through some sort of uh, government testing and approval kind of a thing? Or is it like typical FMCG products, uh, which, uh, I mean, what is that like? Like when you launched these two products, what did you need to do before launching? Yeah, so so uh, good question, actually. Akshay, basically, we, we do have a licensing process, right? Um, and so um, you have to get the formulation approved in the local FDA, which reports to the Ministry of Ayush. But uh, all of our formulations were already approved, right? Um, from the first time. And so I was just re-envisioning packaging and re-envisioning names. And so I would have to get name change and artwork changes. But the formulations themselves were already there. Uh, but yeah, if you want to get a completely new formulation, you have to get it approved uh, by the local FDA. And Ayurveda comes under the same regulation that pharma comes under, the drug and Act, although we have different schedules that, that look at what we do, um, it's the same regulation. And so there is regulation. Um, a lot of people think there is no regulation. There is regulation for Ayurvedic manufacturers in this country and it's pretty strict. So uh, 16, uh, how much revenue did you do when you launched these two products? 
so you know we did a lot of sampling we did a lot of consumer study a lot of people wrote to us saying they like the products but almost no revenue at all how were you selling it in 1617 like was it uh, uh, obviously the clinic acted as a dispensary but besides that clinic website um few online platforms uh and some stalls retail stalls which wanted to keep but very 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 little and they used to push to a lot of weddings you know uh like a lot of weddings they would put in the hampers and stuff so largely 1617 was about proof of concept like are we doing something right at all or uh, we established that we're doing something right in that there is demand for these products but we're doing something completely wrong where we can't be a two product company like two products is not enough if you're trying to sell on a website etc uh and so november 2017 we repackaged 27 more products and so we were 29 products by november 2017 uh and and that was a conscious decision to say we need to have a portfolio uh then we started our offline game and this was the biggest failure right so between like november 2017 and february 2018 we tried to uh, put our products offline uh you know as a private equity guy I said yeah there are a lot of stalls and so far it's all bootstrapped or until 2018 it was all bootstrapped completely bootstrapped uh, i mean still uh, i mean uh, until much later it was completely bootstrapped right and so bootstrapped um, tried to do a offline retail launch hired 20 sales executives a sales manager um took our products to like 10000 stalls hired 10 distributors did a big launch event at taj lands and spent 7 lakh rupees on that launch event etc thought out top of the world distributors buying the product um then i remember selling like it was like 10 lakhs worth of product to these distributors uh, and have these 22 sales boys uh, and in fact i got 9 lakhs worth of product back returned to me uh, and i was like what is going on i i just don't understand this you know i have all these sales guys and paying all of them uh, but but then i realized really quickly that offline is much more than just placing a product in the store i need to the brand the brand has to have pull the consumers have to pick up the product and if none of that happens you just can't do it so we took a very sort of difficult decision at that time to roll back completely because the business model didn't make sense and i think that's a very 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 good decision we took i think a lot of consultation with my dad and and he sort of told me look if it doesn't make sense to you as a business model follow your ego and just roll back and we rolled back we just let go of our entire team over a few months them find jobs and said this is not working for us and at that time I also got engaged and my wife trisha who's the ceo of the business she She was at Goldman Sachs in the UK. She moved back to India, um, and she worked in the early team at Nike, like the first twenty people at Nike, and saw the power of online. And she joined the business after we got engaged, right? Because so at that time we took a call that we'll be an online first brand. So Akshay, in November twenty seventeen, we used to do one order every three days on our website, like rejoice every like a quarter agya, like it would come in my email. I'm really excited about. Actually, Trisha said let's focus, and she also took a. very very monumental decision in terms of our business and where we stand today she said we're going to focus on our own website we're going to build after vedas.com as a channel of sale and at that time you know b2c brands were still early like 2017 was still in 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 sort of making b2c brands everyone believed in the marketplace and they said yeah build a big brand on on marketplaces but why would people come and buy from your website and and so we took that call and people thought we were crazy to take that call and we really worked hard in 2018 to build this model right and by November 2018 I remember we celebrated we got a cake for 50 orders a day that was a big milestone for us at 50 orders a day and we thought that you know this is it like now our customer acquisition cost in place and we can really scale from here and from there we really really scaled and so I very clearly in November 2018 uh 
um say patricia i'm saying 50 orders a day at a customer acquisition cost and makes unit economic sense this is totally worth it and we can scale it and the real game akshay started then where from november 2018 to november 2019 we scaled our website business 20 times right and we also raised capital so in june of 2019 we raised um capital we we partnered with rp sanjeev goenka group um they did 5 million close to 5 million 4.6 million dollars with us uh, but i think that that was the real inflection point where we said it makes sense now let's scale it and today our website does 3000 plus orders per day and so uh, when you raised capital at that time how much of your order was through your own website versus from uh, a marketplaces like what was the split like when we raised capital i think online and 3p if you take that as 100% of our business and that's largely 80% of our business even today or 5% of our business today is through online channels whether it's our website or platform we actually started actually you won't believe it at 90% on our website uh and we have scaled down now now that our website has grown third party businesses have grown as a brand is has grown but to now 60% of our sales through our website still and that's very unlike most d2c brands um, but our focus is still our own website and so we constantly try to find ways to improve our website improve customer experience tied up with a yoga app called sarva and every doctor where there's customer when you place your order gets 90 days free on that app and so we're constantly trying to find ways to improve the experience of our customers on our website whether it's content you know so like if you go on our website and you spend more than 30 seconds you'll be given a prompt to join a whatsapp group um, an option whatsapp group for daily ayurvedic tips we send you an ayurvedic tip every day um last year more than 16 and a half thousand people have joined these whatsapp groups and we don't give them branded content or products we give them a tip between 7 to 9 pm every single day on ayurveda on those hours on health on yoga asanas that can help you on foods to eat on ayurveda's approach to ailments etc all of that um we really really focused on adding value to the customers but principally akshay why did we focus on our own website we focused on our own website because a lot of ayurvedic treatments need time and if i tell through amazon there is no way for me to tell the customer you bought one month of product but you have to buy it again and again for at least three to months so that that we control the experience for the consumers and that is really important for us so uh, how did the fundraise happen like uh, did you already know someone at uh, the goinka group or how was that no so you know uh, basically akshay we were raising capital we were looking to raise capital from from 2018 onwards actually um sort of mid of 2018 um so we were talking to a bunch of folks i come from private equity so i was talking to a bunch of folks like i remember someone from the group linkedin messaged me saying hey you know i've seen your work we really like what you do etc all of that so we'd like to have a chat and so i had a chat with him and then we had a bunch of conversations and eventually we took a year to sort of iron out the deal and and that's one piece of advice that that I give to everyone who's raising capital um don't rush into it um do it when both parties feel comfortable because it's a marriage right you're you're working together um and so uh we worked through the deal for a year and and both sides were getting really frustrated but I think it was good to give it that incubation period to understand each other better and eventually move towards the deal what were the kind of things that you were working through like you know uh, just uh, you know since uh, a lot of our listeners would not understand the world of private equity and how the deal making happens so i think uh, from my end akshay uh, i was working through actually establishing a proof of concept right we started our 
our conversation in April of 2018, and at that time, really the business was really really small. So we were all figuring out what we were doing. So from our end, figuring out like what is this business? How is it going to scale? What is the real concept? And I think before that proof of concept. um i didn't want to raise capital because i didn't know what i'd be doing like what was my sales what are my product what are my key products in a really small business you don't know all of this so from really figuring out what works what concept works how to build a plan to really scale how to hyperscale this business and all of that takes time because you're still scaling the business you're still growing you know so that's what i was working through actually okay and how big is your team now so we're 120 people akshar 40 uh, roughly in the factory 80 people in the mumbai team now we started with uh, i think when i started the company we were nine so uh, and these ad people are in what kind of role like shipping and logistics obviously would be one large part of it uh, what else do you we have operations team we have a customer relationship management team uh, we have a strong marketing team they largely digital marketing focused folks um we have three people for performance marketing because that's that's a large part of what we do we have a content team a marketing team we have r and d folks in our team we have a data team as well then we have the cxo's office of uh, folks who work directly with trisha and me um we have a cp team a 3p market basis team so the ones who manage ships on market basis as well so you have a team for that yeah that's largely the split for for the mumbai team and from the factory team we have production managers qc managers qa managers and then and then a production executive and that's the way the team is largely structured okay and uh, so what was like uh, something which you think was like a major mistake you made while scaling up the business uh yeah actually i think lot of mistakes and um, i still have a long long way to go i think the mistake the biggest mistake that i made was marketing with fear and so my dad used to keep saying arjun you can't be slightly pregnant don't cut your corners in a brand do not cut your corners so instead of saying 10000 a month over 12 months spent six times that spent 60000 i'm just giving you random numbers right spent 60000 one month or spent 40000 um, a month for three months instead of spending 10000 a month make the messaging clear uh, make it uh, exciting uh, engage with your consumers but don't do this thoda spend kiya thoda spend kiya thoda spend because then eventually you'll spend a lot of money for a very long time period and that was really a mistake we made initially but look i was bootstrapped i was investing my family's money i was young and i was very fearful and so looking back uh, i keep telling myself arjun don't cut those corners if it's a 1000 rupees extra but you know you're getting the right value do it that was the learning big learning and the other learning is uh, akshay basically grit and resilience is really important don't get affected by what people keep telling you right and so we run a ayurvedic products business which fulfills orders to now 15000 plus pin codes in this country 84% of which are outside the top 10 cities i had a lot of investors tell me arjun i don't like your packaging it doesn't appeal to me and i tried to keep convincing them that this is not for you like my friends and family sometimes say ye ye mujhe acha nahi laga like i didn't like this packaging you know but our goal is not just for our friends and family we are building a scalable business for the rest of this country as well um that's really how we need to think of the business and so initially i'd get very perturbed and very stressed and and very sort of taken aback and and affected by what people told me um you know people i know but then eventually i learned that it's it's more than just building a business for you and uh, so what do you think is uh, like a five year plan for dr vedyas in your mind akshay actually uh, i get 
really scared to do these five-year plans and long-term visions and stuff like that. I remember from my first business plan to what I'm doing today, things have changed. Uh, but if I, if I tell you what my goal is, right? Uh, I think there are two goals, large goals. We are leveraging the power of Ayurveda using the power of digital to engage with modern consumers. We have been the first brand in the world to launch Shavan Prash in a toffee format. To envision Ayurveda to appeal to modern consumers. And so I want to hyperscale this to be able to reach the most remote parts of this country to give consultations on video call, on WhatsApp, on Facebook to consumers sitting in Jammu, Trichy and Anantna. You know, we engage with these consumers even, right? Um, that's the real value of Dr. Vedya. So can we go even deeper to give the power of Ayurveda to consumers in the most remote parts of this country? Really scale the online part of our business, that's one. And two, if you see, Akshay, each of our products bear this mark proudly Indian. This is because I'm extremely patriotic, but also because if I take you back to what I talked about my experience in college, right? I wanted Indians to take Ayurveda to the world. The next leg of growth for Dr. Vedas will be to take Ayurveda to the world and take mark of proudly Indian to supermarkets and online platforms across this world. Um, and so five years, if we can be in 50 countries, that will be a huge achievement for us. And uh, what do you think are the levers to growth? Uh, you know, so for example, uh, more capital would help you grow faster or, uh, you know, wh what do you think are the levers to growth for your business? So Akshay, I think uh, I've spoken to a bunch of folks across the, the consumer ecosystem and capital is, is, is great, but it's a means to an end. I think the real lever to growth uh, and the seventh and most important philosophy at Dr. Vedas is customer is our reason for being. Um, as much as you do whatever you do, right? Uh, and Rohan Mitchanani from Epigamia told me this. He said that the moment of truth for you is when the customer takes out rupees from their wallet and buys your product for a second time. And constantly being in touch with your customers, engaging with your customers and seeing what they want. Don't build products for yourself. Build products for what are needs uh, and wants of your consumers. That is the biggest lever to growth. So, uh, actually, I do customer service for three hours a week myself. Uh, and uh, we want to see what the customers are seeing. I have launched one of my most successful products, Herbo Build, which is a natural muscle gain supplement from customer feedback. Um, we had a great product called Weight Gain Pack, which was doing very well on our website. But a lot of the queries said, I don't want it just for weight gain, I want it for muscle gain. A natural equivalent or a natural product with no side effects. And so in July 2019, we launched this product and I'll tell you today, Akshay, it's one of my top three products in the brand. And we had the formulation, but the customers told us we want it. And so that is to me the biggest lever to growth. What does the customer need and are you there to fulfill that need? Like people ask me, uh, what's the best advice you can give to entrepreneurs? And I don't give all this complicated airy-fairy advice. I say the reality is the journey is really tough. Roller coaster. It's going to lot of emotion up and down two things i say one have a support system that's important. the second thing i say is thick skin grit and resilience people are going to tell you your crap every single day like i remember when i started this business a lot of people came to me and said you're, you're an idiot like you're going to burn your, all your family's wealth uh because you're going to try fmcg stuff it's going to be a disaster yeah it's going to happen i believe it, you know and my team believes in it and they're going to do it i think that that's like, for me, what's most important. People say, have grit and resilience and just go. You're going to fight a battle and just hear no, 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 right? 
माइक्रो Although some people think that that's really, really bad, and and you shouldn't be clued in the micro and stuff, and I think the balance, and I think we're skewing to the micro side. I think it's also really important to not just have a macro construct. Like if you don't know what's happening on the ground, you're going to lose sight of your business completely. Which is why you do those three-hour customer calls. Oh, ah, absolutely, absolutely. And every bill at Doctor Vedya still, uh, I Trisha, I look at it, uh, and every banner that goes on our website, I still have a look at it, and. Every Word of copy written on every single product of Doctor Vedya's is still written or edited by me, and I think that's not going to change. How is it like working with? Uh, I mean, you know, having your business partner and life partner as the same person. Uh, so I, I think there's only two ways that it can go: really well or really badly. And for us, it's really well. Um, there are there are times when uh, we're watching a TV show, like last night, for example, at. Uh, 11:30 p.m. I was like, "Hey, I'm sorry. I got to pause this. I just got to close this deal. I need your advice. Please tell me. We're going to close it. We have to close it. Uh, we are announcing this collab for Yoga Day, and my team has been messaging me that Trisha has to do this video. So at 12:30 at night, I take out the yoga mat and I'm like, 'You have to shoot this video right now.' That continues to happen, which is frustrating for her. She likes to switch off. I think dad never switches off, so I I don't switch off, and that's really bad. Um, there are moments when it's frustrating." But otherwise, it's great. Yeah, you know, we have our our work demarcated. Like anything that business development, strategy, or sales, um, or production is me. Anything that operations, customer service, or tech is her. And uh, how is the uh, the new normal going to be for Doctor Vedya? Like, is this like a you know like Paytm had the demonetization moment? So is this going to be like that for uh, Doctor Vedya? Yeah, I think it is. I think there's a there's a lot of opportunity and adversity for us. Immunity and hygiene is something consumers really really care about in this time. Um, Ayurveda has seen a crazy upsurge in demand, uh, because the government support. And so yes, I think this is a huge opportunity for us. Are you seeing that in numbers? Like, uh, are you seeing more orders happening? Yeah, we are seeing more orders happening. I think operationally we're facing a lot of challenges from supply chain, from logistics, from time it takes in order to reach. But consumer interest towards Ayurveda has. increased multifold Beyond Campus is a production of the podium.in powered by Career Launcher If you like this show then we are sure that you will love our other shows on subjects like entrepreneurship marketing books and drama Check out the podium.in for a complete list of all our shows